Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. Hub24 is on a mission to empower advisors to deliver better financial futures for their clients. They're dedicated to customer service excellence and delivering innovative product solutions that create value for advisors and their clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors rate them number one for overall satisfaction and why their managed portfolio solution has been rated best in market five years running. Hub24 believes nothing happens in isolation. So they're working together with advisors, licensees, and industry leaders to leverage their data and technology expertise to help solve key challenges in the delivery of financial advice so more Australians can access cost-effective advice. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I am joined by two people, uh, Women on Wealth, uh, Anna and Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Fraser. Fantastic. Thank you to be here for being here. We're recording this actually live in person because we live in Queensland. Aren't we lucky? We now, are. tell us about, uh, Michelle, I might get you to start. Tell us about your business. Um, okay, so we started our business back in 2016. Um, actually the company was registered about a year before that but it took us um, I was waiting on someone to finish their um, long service leave period <laughs> which, which we'll get into yeah we yep. certainly will um, so yeah the business was started in 2016 we have an office in Mudraba um, we're a boutique practice and self-licensed wonderful and how many staff uh, so we've got three um, permanent staff and then we have one casual staff and then the two advisors Wonderful. Now we might go back in time. We'll start with you, Anna. Tell us about your story. How did you fall into uh, into financial planning? Um, I arrived in Australia on the Gold Coast when I was 23 years old. I was pregnant with twins at the time, and I saw the skyline, all the high, you know, the high skyscrapers. And I'd just finished my degree, a commerce degree, where I'd majored in marketing, and I had finance as a sub major. Anyway, I saw the skyline, and I thought, woohoo, here I am. These are all office buildings. My career will take off. And then I found out they were all hotels. There was no marketing at all on the Gold Coast. And after a few job interviews, I just happened to be employed by a um, company that dealt in financial advice or whatever that looked like at the time. Um, yeah, and that's how I started in it. Wonderful. So you got caught up in the bright lights, then uh, then found yourself a job in in what, what, what sort of – was it banking or was it finance? Or? No, no, it was a financial – services company i only stayed there for well nine months that they were i suppose the typical kind of company that all these reforms have come about to shut down right but you really got thrown into the deep end in terms of your learning curve so i learned a lot very quickly decided this is not the company i want to work for so so i left um and became an assistant and paraplanner to a lifey and, you know, one thing led to another. Eventually, I went and worked for one of the big four banks as a um, as an advisor, became a senior planner there and stayed there for 10 years, literally to the day. Yep. Um, yeah, so that that's how I fell into Fantastic. it. Fantastic. So yeah. a good learning, uh, good good 
grounding from the bank side of it, some good, yeah. you know, 10 years in the bank and learning all the different yeah. parts of how that works. It was, it was really, really good. The thing about the bank is there were just so many clients and, and um, you didn't have to go looking for business. You just learned as you went and there, were, there was a lot of support. You just needed to learn how to find it because that wasn't a given. But um, you made a lot of really good um, friends, a lot of good contacts. The other financial planners, it was a really tight-knit group where you had each other's back. It was no, it was really, really good. Yeah, fantastic. And that's yeah. obviously where you two met. Well, we'll get to that part of the story yeah. uh, shortly. Michelle, tell us about your story. So I came to Australia at uh, the ripe old age of 19 with my family from Scotland. Um, I had varied jobs when I got here. None of them were related to finance at the start. So I was a stock controller. Um, I used to sell space in an advertising directory. I ended up in the motor industry where we did aftermarket sales. Um, so I quickly um, sort of learned from there that I wanted to get into finance because some of the guys that were in there uh, you know, were doing the car loans. And of course, it was the money that called me Fraser at that time. <laughs> Um, and they were the ones that were earning the money in the dealerships at that time. So that's how I fell into finance. And I was really good with people. Um, so that was something that I, I sort of found early on. People used to think maybe my accent would be a detractor. Uh, but I always found in a sales sort of environment that um, it worked well for me. And people just wanted to talk to me. So that was nice. Um, and then from being in car finance, I ended up being a mortgage broker, uh, went into home lending. That was back in 2005. Uh, by 2011, I'd gone through the GFC and all the lovely things that that brought to the lending industry. Ended up um, at St George Bank, went in there originally as a lender, became a branch manager, um, but did want to get into financial planning uh, they seemed to have the much more glamorous life at St George. You know, they sort of came in and out of the branches and they weren't in the trenches so much. So I thought, well, you know, that glamour's for me. <laughs> Little did I know that was in 2014, which when, you know, when all the reforms had just been passed. Uh, so I think I got in just after all the glamour had left the industry. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So you were in the bank as well and, and that's how you guys met? Mm, absolutely. Mm. Tell us about that story. Well, um, I was working at Westbag Bank. Um, I'd been there for close to 10 years and I kept on thinking, I really, it's time to go. It's time to go. I want to do this on my own. I don't, um, you can only work for a bank for so long, I think, and then it's time to go. Anyway. So, so was that was that in your mind? Was that go and set up a practice yes. of your own? Yep yep, yep. yep. Or find maybe employment elsewhere. And I was tossing and turning, but I really thought, no, become self-employed. You, you've done this for a long time. Um, you know what you're doing, you enjoy the job, you love, you know, the people, the stories, it's it's really what I want to do. There was no question that that's, that I wanted to stay a financial planner. And my closest friend at the time was working at um, St. George, she was a lender there. And she told me, there's a, there's a financial planner that I've met at St. George, she's sort of same age, also has kids, um, looking to start um, her own business, you two really, really need to meet. And this went on for a few months. And then we did happen to meet because um, the St. George and Westpac were one company and they put all the financial planners into a, some kind of office building together. Um, so that's where we met. Um, we found out when we met that our children were in the same class and had been for years. We'd never met through the school. 
Um, we were working too hard, Dana, that's why. We were, well, this is this is what we actually, um, you know, when everyone had gone home and the two of us were still there every evening, you know, punching away at the keyboards, we kind of went, why are we doing this not for ourselves? We really, so I think we met in March and... I resigned from Westpac, I think it was the 1st of August or 30, so very quickly, within a few months of meeting, we'd literally put our, you know, that that sort of trust in each other was always there, which was lovely, Um, and we just went. One of those connections at first sight uh, sort of things, was it, when you first got to to meet each other? Tell me about that. How, How long was it before you actually decided, Michelle, that you wanted to start a business together? Well, it was a bit of a whirlwind romance, I must say. Um, <laughs> Anna's my work wife, of course. Um, so when we met, well, we just had that immediate connection. We were both the same age, both married to Stuart, which was funny. Mm. Um, our children being in the same school um, and our older children being in the same class. Mm. So it just seemed like all the stars were aligning. Um as Anna said, we were, you know, I remember one night we were there at 10pm thinking, you know, at the commercial centre there at Broadbeach and thinking, what are we doing? We really need to move from here. Mm. I was in a position where um, I was, I ended up being one of the last planners standing at St George Bank. Um, so it wasn't a great place for me to be at the time, but I loved the role. I absolutely love people. So you know, dealing with clients and everything. So I knew this is what I wanted to keep on doing. It was really important to me to still be doing that. But that's why I'd already kind of started concocting a plan of my great escape from the bank. I guess the bank was never actually a long-term plan for me. I went in there specifically to become a financial planner. Um, A friend of mine gave me some advice about uh, if I wanted to get into financial planning not to do a certain path through one of the majors that you'll know what I'm talking about, like a discovery type program. I can't remember the name of it precisely. Uh, but he said to me, go into the bank, you will get the best training there. You will see every client from every walk of life and you'll learn really quickly. And so that's what I did. And um, yeah, so that's how Anna and I met and decided that we would do this together. So we just had an instant connection we still have that. We just we're just an awesome mm. team. We've got our strengths and weaknesses, each of us. Mm. Um, but we we play to each other's strengths, I think, and yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. tell me about that moment, Anna, when you started the business up. It was obviously there's a fair bit to to set up and business names to think about and, and well, structures. And Michelle had actually already done all that. She had Woman on Wealth, and she said, "Do I like it?" I'm like, "Yep, let's do this." Michelle had been self-employed before as a broker. Mm. I hadn't. I'd never been self-employed. So she was a little bit further down the road in terms of, you know, um, ABNs and companies and all sorts of things. Um, And I just jumped on board and off we went. Yeah, so no nerves or anything? Just straight? tremendous nerves. You know, tremendous nerves. I had, um, I've got five kids. Four were still um, at school at the time. And, you know, so the school fees, the, um, I was the main income earner. And you know, massive mortgage, just all the all the pressures um, involved in that. Um, and but yet, I just knew it was the right thing to do. I'd wanted to do it for a while, and it was just, you know, you read all the all the books, and you go, yeah, you need to be courageous, and you go, well, yes, now now's the time. It's you don't just read it, you yeah do it. The, so. mom- the moment of truth, the time <laughs> so to be courageous. We, yep. So pretty much, we waited until my ten year anniversary at Westpac was done. I took a screenshot. 
of my long service leave coming through because I thought, well, that's a few months, you know, of cash flow that I don't have to worry about. And then we resigned, or I resigned. I was put on gardening leave straight away, so that was great. Michelle was the only planner in St. George between, I think, Sydney and Cairns, so they didn't put her on gardening leave. She had to work the the full month. I painted our new office in the meantime, so mm-hmm. that was, yeah, so we just we just tag teamed. Fantastic. And Michelle, tell me about the name, the, you, you, where they come from, and, and obviously it was a strategic move. Yes, it was because what I found in my time, uh, not just doing uh, the financial planning, but in the mortgage side of things before, was that women lacked a lot of confidence when it came to financial matters. And uh, when I was at the bank, I actually found that a lot of female uh, clients gravitated to me and told me how much they valued me being a woman and that it was lovely dealing with me. I'd, you know, because I was sort of one of the last men standing at St. George, I did um, inherit a lot of clients. And, um, you know, some of my clients made comment that they might have had an experience before where people would just talk to the, talk at them and use a whiteboard and make it all complicated. And they found it really very simple when, when I was explaining things to them. I could do it concisely and clearly in a way that they understood and so I guess that's where it came from was I thought I want to help women. Um, I want to be known as, you know, if people look up my business name, I want them to immediately know that we are women, that we help women. We don't just help women, of course, um, as you'll, you'll find out, but um, I just wanted to be approachable. And, you know, as I went through, I was actually doing my Master of Financial Planning at that point because I'd started that as soon as I became a planner. And, um, you know, the statistics are pretty grim in, uh, when they talk about the number of female financial planners and, uh, and even the literacy of women, you know, financially, financial literacy. Um, so, yeah, that's where that came from. So that was something that I had in my mind when I was going to do that anyway. And then when I had to, I didn't really want to do it on my own. I wanted to do it with someone. And when Anna agreed that she was or told me that she was wanting to go out in business herself as well. I sort of ran the idea past her, which was fantastic that she also agreed and, and really was quite excited about the whole concept of it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, initiative or, and, and story that goes with it. Tell us about your team uh, uh, that you've created over this over that time. Yeah, so we, we are all women. <laughs> And actually, our newest staff member is a Shepardoodle, and she's also a girl, so <laughs> she comes into the office every now and then. Uh, yeah, so we are we are all female. We did actually have a, a male para planner at one at one point, mm. but in the office we're all female. It's not that we wouldn't employ any men. Can I just put that there? Yeah, yeah, no, we're definitely fun. not men haters at all. I'm very happily married and absolutely love my husband. Heaps of great males in my life. Uh, it's just the way it's happened, I guess. Um, also, when we have advertised for staff, we mainly get women applying. As you can imagine, not that many men probably want to work at Women on Wealth. So <laughs> yeah, that might be a bit of it as well. But yeah, we've got a great team. We're all very down to earth. We love a chat. Uh, we're very supportive. So it's everyone mucks in. We're a very small business still at the moment. Um, so we, you know, Anna and I probably wear too many hats at the moment, but... Mm. Um, yeah, it's just about getting, supporting one another. Uh, we're all uh, mums, so all of us are, are, are mums in there of either children or pets. Mm. 
Uh, so we've all got responsibilities. We understand all those things. So yeah, that makes it a good working environment yeah, and flexible. We all need to be flexible because we've got uh, our other loves of our lives, which are not the business. So just making sure that we can work with one another and support one another to get things done, but have a good work-life balance as well. Yeah, amazing. Uh, now, Anna, tell us about that that growth from the practice of just being the two of you to where you are now. Yeah, so when we started, we didn't have a single client. We literally opened the doors without a client and it was build it and they will come and they did. Um, we had a number of clients contact us from um, the banks which did not go down well with the banks. So we had to actually turn them away, even if they contacted us. But lots of referrals. Um, My referrals probably came a lot from the contacts I'd made in the banks. A lot of those people had left to start their own businesses. And uh, to this day, I get referrals from them. Clients then refer. um, At one stage, we um, bought a a book of clients from an advisor who was exiting the industry. So that um, certainly helped. Um, but we've never advertised. I mean, we've got a website, but we don't advertise. It's all word of mouth, and um, I don't know. It's just yeah, fantastic. And and how many years has it been? Five. Five years. And uh, what about the staff growth? Tell us about that. We um, so the, I don't know, we had one staff. We, we've had a, a few false starts. We've had some really good people. We've had people that have come in and then moved on because um, a, a few of them wanted to be financial planners. I don't know why, because we <laughs> we can't make it. You make look it that, look too good, do you? Yeah, well, very glamorous. Very, very glamorous. glamorous. <laughs> there's there's no frustration or swearing in our office ever, at all. It's just glamour. All the Your way. nose is getting longer, Anna. I, I, I imagine it's telling like it is Tuesday. I would our, say. Um, our, our office is right next door to another business called the Whiskey Bar, and let me tell you, there are days that straight after work. Not often, but you just need to... So does the whiskey bar complain about the noise coming from you guys? Is that how it works? No, luckily they had actually closed most of the day and opened just in time for the afternoon drinks. Sounds like you guys (laughs) could combine offices, maybe share office space. Our other neighbour is a singing school for kids. So we, in the afternoons, if your windows are open, you hear little kids warbling away. It's it's really funny. You hear them through the, you know, yeah. it's, it's, Fantastic. it's very sweet. Yeah. And so your office is in a, uh, in a in a shopping zone or a strip shopping centre? Mm. It's in Madribar Village. It's got a yep. lovely villagey feel. We're just off the village green in winter. The local ladies knit tree warmers. They look like wood egg warmers for trees. There's something about Madribar that's it's just lovely and friendly and, yeah, we love it. Yeah, we you're, love it. you're making it sound really uh, corporate, by the way. It's definitely but- not corporate <laughs> in Madribar. But yeah. I think that's one of the reasons that we we fell in love with it, actually. We didn't go out looking for a space in Madribar. We actually came here to Rabina, funnily enough, and we just couldn't find the right space here. And a friend of mine owned a cafe over there, so after a long day of searching for premises, we thought we'll go over and we'll support her business and we'll go and have a coffee and, you know, have a download and have a talk about the things we have seen. And when we were sitting there, there was a big for lease sale, uh, uh, for lease sign across the road. And so we thought we'll go in and have a look there. And it was an ex-accountant's office. So it was all set up, you know, with different offices already so we didn't have to do a lot of work to it the paint job was a bit average but mm. <laughs> and a nice blue carpet which we have now replaced but uh yeah it just seemed that that was meant to be and we thought um yeah we'll, we'll see how we go here 
we did a three year lease on the place. We then renewed it for another three years. Mm-hmm. Um, we love it there. You know, we it's it's a bit um, unexpected that sometimes we actually get walk ins, and I just never would have expected that. But I think because we've been there for a long time now, people know that we're there and they're starting to get to know us. And it's actually a really friendly little village. We absolutely love it. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting having a having a little shop front slash practice isn't it because mm. people, if people do walk past all the time they will get familiar mm. with it and 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 the fact that you've been there for five odd years that trust factor is built over time yeah and uh, we get to know um you know we've we do some collections for some local women's charities and so we have little ladies walk you know walking in all the time and dropping things off so uh, share the dignities one of the charities that we support there and so um we have little ladies come in and drop off handbags full of cosmetics and lotions and potions and mm. um you know women's sanitary items all the things that uh you know some less privileged women don't have access to so that's really important to us and we hold events and things there so we are quite known in the community now which is awesome yeah fantastic mm. now tell us about your advice process um where, where does it start and how do you if a new client comes in what's the process they go through it depends on where they've come from really um but Normally, just normally, we would probably have a quick conversation on the phone, just make sure that we are the right person for them. Uh, We get them into the office to have uh, what we call a financial planning discovery session. Now, we used to do that for free, that session, um, but we've learned over the years that we need to value ourselves and our service and, you know, the information that we and guidance that we give to people. So we do charge an upfront fee for that now. Um, and then if clients go on to advice from there, uh, then we obviously agree on a plan fee and we'll actually deduct that first appointment fee from from that. Okay. Um, so yeah, and from there, obviously, it's the usual process, the research, the development, um, the preparation of the statement of advice. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. So I'll just go back to that discovery meeting, Anna. So uh, if a client, that's 90 minutes, what, what's, what are you looking for in that meeting? Well, generally before they come in, we'll send them a fact find. So we're not wasting time gathering data. We would have um, preferably received that fact find first. So we've got a bit of an idea. And really it's a, um, you know, why are you here? What's important to you? Just digging a little bit deeper, um, giving them some, maybe a few ideas that they haven't considered. Did you know that maybe you could do this? Maybe you could do that. Um, I, I think often people leave their feeling a little bit calmer like there's um you know when you've been doing it for a while you know that there's solutions and you can without jumping straight into solution mode you can guide them um so that they feel a little bit more secure that there are things they can do to to secure themselves um so yeah it's just literally let them talk I, i find i try to talk not very much and just let them talk as much as possible um, to find out what's, um, you know, find out their story, what's important to them, what they're all about. Because money, at the end of the day, I think money is, it's, it's just money. It just supports, it just supports their life. What's their life? What's it, what's important? And we'll make the money fit whatever it is that they, you know. Yep. And and in that session, are you are you explaining your fee structure and how you work and how much yeah, you yeah, charge yeah. in that meeting? Or is it done, is that done beforehand or online? Um, I think generally when people ask what the fee is, um, if they ask us beforehand, well, we don't know how complex your situation is. So at the during the discovery meeting towards the end of it, we'd have a good idea of how much work is involved. 
um, and and we would you know sign a fee agreement with them. We we have got a pricing structure, you know, in terms of minimums and and so forth. Um, and if things are more complex, we would price that in and get them to agree on you yep. know, to it at the time. Yeah. We actually do send out um, an email when we book that discovery appointment. Uh, which obviously outlines the fee that we charge for the discovery appointment. And it does clearly state that if we go to personal advice after that meeting, uh, that there are other, other charges. And of course, we've attached our financial services guide to that, which has our fixed fee agreement. Yep. Fantastic. And how did you come up with that uh, that that fee range for all the different products? How did you go about not just trial and error. We've we're you know, underpriced ourselves for way mm. too long, Fraser. Yep. That's mm. how we come up with it. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. the uh, the way that most people have done it. Yeah. yeah so we've um, gradually increased our fees over the years. Yeah. We were way underpriced at the start, and I think that came from probably being in the bank where you get paid a salary, <laughs> and uh, they had a fee structure, and you charge this tiny little plan fee, and then you would charge a big implementation fee. We just don't do that anymore. We charge a larger plan fee, and um, rarely actually an implementation fee unless it's really complex. So it's all priced in the the service for that initial advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing for people is when you've been charging a fee, a lower fee, uh, and then all of a sudden now you've, well, not all of a sudden, but you've now increased it. How have you gone with those conversations with the clients when you have to say to them, yeah, well, you were paying this, but now we, we have to pay a bit more? No problem, actually. Um, how It was more of a problem, not for the client, but for Anna and I. We really had to be in, uh, I think this actually is a female thing as well from the the, the uh, research that I've read is we don't like to ask for money and we certainly undervalue ourselves a lot. Uh, so I think the number one thing was actually getting our mindset right, that we do a lot of work and we do really good work. And so we should actually charge for that because it's not just that time that the client's sitting in front of you. Of course, it's all the background uh, work that you've done as well. And all the work that comes after it, um, and all the education that you've done, and the insurance, and you know, mm. all these guys listening to this podcast will know where we're coming from with that. So Anna and I actually we made a little price menu. That's how we actually overcame mm. our fear. And so to make that conversation easier, we would bring out our little laminated. <laughs> menu of pricing and you know that had our base plan fee and then if you added on extra strategies blah 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 so the more work we had to do the larger the price of the plan um i don't use that myself anymore i don't think Anna does either um we now just are confident to do it but that was how we got over that and it was so funny because clients would just look at it and say oh yep yep no that's fine and uh, so, yeah, that was how we overcame it's the a, price barrier. It was more in our heads than the clients. Yeah, heads. it's a really good tip, isn't it? The little yeah. comfort blanket to have yeah. there, there mm. to say, here are the fees, and it doesn't have to physically come out of your mouth immediately. Mm. Um, did it also help, uh, Anna, that the fact that the, you could talk about this between each other? It wasn't just you and the client oh, trying to work this out? A hundred percent. I think having um, a business partner to run ideas past, and we're very different in lots of respects. We see things differently. So when we debate things, generally we come in somewhere in the middle, and it's um, and it's never a hundred percent perfect. You know, it gets altered and and modified as we go along. But I think having a business partner, you you just um, uh, you know you you cast your net a little bit wider. You 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 look at things that another person might not have seen. Yeah. 
Yeah, fantastic. And so you, we've been through the discovery process. Um, what, what, how many other meetings and, and what's the time frame you'll spend with the client after well, that? Well, it, it really just depends. Sometimes you go straight from that to preparing the statement of advice and having an advice meeting. Um, but sometimes if it's more complex or more research needs to be done or there's, you know, a few different strategies that you're exploring, you might have an interim, you know, an interim meeting to go, well, look, this is what I've come up with. Here's a few options and and developing the advice from that. So um, two, two, two to three meetings, sorry, two to three meetings all in all. Yep. And then we do, you know, um, annual um, advice agreements for, for clients who we see regularly sometimes once a year, twice a year, depending on the client, depending what's important to them. Mm. Yep, yep, fantastic. And uh, and with um, with your demographic of clients, is there any specific demographic or have you purposely decided that you want to work with this particular type of client? No, so uh, the clients that we have mainly at the moment are retirees, pre-retirees. Uh, that's not our target market as such that was because of the the book of business that we bought and then the clients that we had originally were mainly retirees and pre-retirees we're actually aiming more for younger families now and professionals so that's our I guess the market we're we're trying to attract now but you know, really phrase it at the end of the day, we, we actually love everyone. I think that's the thing. And we've got such a varied, and it, to me, it keeps it interesting for me as well if I'm not doing exactly the same thing every day. Mm. And I know some people wouldn't agree with that. And, you know, they think that you should specialise in one area. I don't find that at all. Um, I love the, the variety of dealing with people from all walks of life. Uh, so no clients, a turnaway client automatically to me because they don't tick the, the right boxes. Yeah, I, I find when I'm talking to people that sometimes businesses are set up based on who might be the, the most profitable mm. type of client in that mm. particular marketplace. Like, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're working with retirees because, you know, there's there's a lot of them and we can make money off them. Uh, but then people tend to to go towards their own values or their own, you know, mm. demographic or people like yourselves. Mm. Well, I think, um, you know, Anna and I did say people, women of our age with families – uh, you know, with commitments, with careers. They are people who relate really well to us, obviously, because we're all in the same boat. Um, and we are sort of getting to that age where you're starting to think about retirement and, you know, it's not so far away. Um, so we are actually it's our far ideal away client. Enough, Michelle, come on. Oh, come on, Anna. Come on. <laughs> I, I live in the real world, Anna. <laughs> well, it depends what age you want to retire, Anna. If you want to work till you're 70, that's okay, but... <laughs> And also, uh, also wouldn't hurt for clients that uh, enjoy drinking whiskey to um to to be clients as well. Um, now, tell me about your licensing. What you know, you're currently self licensed. Yes, uh, we were when we left the banks and started. We were licensed through one of the big, well, charter really. Um, and and there were a lot of frustrations with being licensed through someone else because they do just the level of red tape and it, it's none of it makes sense or a lot of it doesn't make sense it's actually unintended consequences and all the rest of it and there's I had a, a bit of a turning point Michelle's actually the one that said we need to be self-licensed Michelle's far more um I don't know more adventurous than me business-wise I, I'm, I'm a little bit more conservative and it takes me a while but um I had a client call me wanting to to have um, to to get some advice, and my licensee pretty much told me walk away from it. You're not allowed to provide it, 
and it was just um, a young lady I had sold, sold, advised her on some insurance. Um, a couple of years later, she phoned. She was pregnant. She just um, was on maternity leave. She'd lost her job while she was on maternity leave. She was downsized, and she wanted to know what to do with her income protection. There is a feature in income protection products, which was, you know, the holiday, premium holiday, while she was trying to work it out. And my licensee told me that because her circumstances had changed for me to tell her that there was this feature, I needed to do a statement of advice, a full statement of advice, because her circumstances had changed. She was now unemployed and she had a child. Um, And obviously I said, well, am I allowed to charge for that? And they said, well, yes, you are. And I'm going, well, you know, for me to charge her to do this advice is would cost more than the benefit than the benefit of not paying her premium for the next four months while she found her while she found a new job. So the benefit is eighty dollars a month or whatever it is times by four months versus the amount of time it will take me to meet with her do a new fact finder statement of advice. So it's actually not in her best interest for me to give her advice. So they said, well you've got to walk away from it. So I've got a lady that's on the other side of the phone crying because she doesn't know what to do. And and red tape dictates that I just say, look, phone the insurance provider while I'm getting paid a ongoing premium. Which and I thought this is just rubbish. This is this is not how humans should deal with each other. And so I think that 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 was the turning point for me to be the master of my own fate. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. That was the moment. That was a mm. single moment. And uh, t- tell me about s- setting up the license. Um, so setting up the license was actually it was quite a seamless process. Really, we um, we had a great agent who helped us with that. Um, he helped us through a lot of the paperwork and everything. Obviously, it's not something that we do every day. Um, so yeah, he was the expert in that area, and we paid him to help us get everything right and tick all the boxes and. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we are comprehensive advisors, so our qualifications and everything all stacked up for um, for ASIC. And um, yeah, we we really found it quite an easy process. It was about six weeks. There's obviously a lot involved in it. Mm. Um, but coming, I mean, I do thank Charter for the fact that uh, we were so, um, you know, on the ball with everything. They gave us a lot of opportunity when we mm. started. Um, so we, you know, we had all our compliance things in order we knew what we had to be doing um so we were quite regimented about that kind of thing um so yeah it was just more a case of getting the paperwork right for them and we were a bit scared about doing it there's no doubt about it because you don't know what lies on the other side you know um but there's always uh, one saying that i always loved was everything you want is on the other side of fear and I think it's been the best move for us. We've we're really flourishing um, being self licensed. We can, you know, we talk to. We've got a compliance team that we hire, so we don't do it on our own. We make sure that we're keeping on top of things, and uh, they really help us navigate through what are we allowed to do and what are we not allowed to do. And everyone talks about this thing about affordable advice, and I actually think that the um, the major licensees they're not the right fit for our group because they would put so many layers on things that were probably unnecessary and they were actually a barrier for us to providing affordable advice. And to me, that's one of the most important things. Everyone should have advice. Uh, There's so many studies out there that show how much better people perform financially in their lives when they have a bit of guidance. And the kind of red tape that Anna was talking about before, I mean, that's just unacceptable. 
Um, so yeah, the, the being self-licensed is without a doubt the best move that we've made. Well, great story. Now tell us about the future of the business. Uh, where, where to from here? We're looking at um, a number of things. Um, we're looking specifically at maybe aged care advice and getting a little bit more involved in that. We've got a, um, a client book that are aging. So that's something we've started, you know, um, really educating ourselves on and, and we're looking at getting some promotional things there. We're um, also looking at doing some things online in terms of providing, I suppose, more general advice, which is affordable, so, so piece, piecemeal, I suppose you'd call it, or, or on, on... More like coaching, I yeah, guess. Yeah, coaching on certain topics, yeah. Yeah, more like a general um, education, educating people because you don't know what you don't know. Um, so educating people so that they can become our ideal client, you know. Um, so helping ready. them from the ground up where they don't have to pay us a fortune and they can get on the right track. And it, and actually, you know, there's so many people doing some great things out there. In the last month, I've had several clients actually come from um, another advisor's sort of um, podcast and group they've been educating themselves through podcasts and they've obviously that advisor's interstate so they weren't able to go there um, so I've managed to pick up a couple of clients just coming in from things I've heard on other advisors podcasts I think if we're all in this together um, we educate people the right way and we give them the free resources instead of us seeming like I guess um, you know I hate to use this expression but I'm going to use it a stiff in a suit <laughs> um, if, if we don't seem that way and we're more approachable we're going to get that younger demographic and we can really make a difference to people and more of a difference even more so of a difference when they're younger mm. um, as we all know so um, yeah I just think there's that's a for me I'm actually really passionate about that part of it um, I, I want to help younger people actually get in the door and and not see it as um, as mystical and there's been some great things. We don't all agree with all the teachings of, um, you know, some of the self-help books and everything out there. Um, however, if you get people talking about money, I think that's the main thing and talking about getting your finances and your house in order and making sure your family's protected and planning for the future because it's going to, it's quite scary when you look at the statistics of what's coming up for, uh, I think, about my children and, um, you know, the ageing population and what that, that's going to mean for my younger children and um, supporting more older people and how are we actually going to manage that as an economy. And so I think if we do all these little tiny steps along the way, we can make the world a better place, as cliche as that may sound. Fantastic. I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, I love the concept of uh, advisors having their own podcast and, and just getting information out there around the value of advice and how they help and, <laughs> and, and some of those stories that happen. How are you planning on getting your message out? Well, first of all, I have to have some time, Fraser, but yeah, uh, that's why I was asking about the podcast and things before. Um, we do uh, have a Facebook group. Um, we also are looking at doing some just, you know, more follow the bouncing ball type workbooks and things like that. Um, but I think social media is definitely the way to go for the younger generation if we're looking for them. Uh, search engines, maybe more so for the aged care advice that Anna was talking about. And the aged care advice space that we want to go into is, is mainly so that we can look after and service our own clients going forward. Um, so yeah, just making sure that we're out there. We get everything from word of mouth referrals at the moment. 
Um, so to expand our business and grow our business, I think we really need to adopt technology, which neither of us are actually that amazing with. Mm. So well, it's like the uh, like the saying goes: on the other side of fear, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and um, I, I guess that's you hire the people that that know how to use the tools. You don't necessarily have to be an expert yourself, do you? Absolutely. Now, uh, so uh, are you looking at more advisors over time, or uh, we've got not enough. What's the uh, expression too many, there? Too many chiefs. chiefs. We need more Indians. <laughs> Except that's a terrible yeah, expression. No, it's absolutely it. terrible. You can't anyway. say <laughs> Okay, sorry. What just, she means just edit is... edit that. Edit, edit that. that. So, yes. We, what we, she means is, um, yeah, we've got too many um, people that are advisors and not enough support staff at the moment. So we probably need to get more support staff before we actually um, look at more advisors. But absolutely, 100%, we would love to build our business. And one day, you know, I guess we won't be doing the, the grunt work. So that's the... Mm. That's the phase for the business where we are um, more client facing and the the part that Anna and I both love the most is dealing with people. Mm-hmm. And when you're stuck in a mountain of paperwork, we all know how much we love this. So yeah, we're always exploring new ideas about how we can reduce that that burden and make things more seamless. Yeah, and there's also the fear that comes with employing someone who is client facing. You know, because it's not just the two of us and we trust each other and we know that this is what we do. Um, so again, it's on the other side of that fear, but that will be a big step to actually put someone in our business that does that. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Now you, you mentioned you purchased a business earlier. Would that be something you do again? Hmm, we're considering it potentially. Yeah, yeah. that co- actually was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, and um, I'm not sh- so sure. Anna, Anna would like to do it again. We pro- we'll look at opportunities. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I never, never say no to any opportunity. But I love new clients that we are starting the process with and you can do it the way you want to do it right from the start. Yep, start building that relationship. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you sharing your story. Tell us about how somebody can get hold of you or find out about you uh, if they wanted to continue the conversation. Uh, yeah, well, we have our website, www.wowealth.com.au. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, um, anyone's welcome to give us a call or contact us and reach mm. out anytime. We're we're always we love a chat. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Over whiskey. <laughs> if you want to head head, uh, head to Madurafo whiskey, we, mm. we know where to find you. Women on whiskey, not women yeah. on wealth. There you mm. go. We've just renamed the business. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Fraser.